0: Hey everyone, I just wanted to take a moment to first off say welcome to all the new listeners. Um, It's exciting to be getting messages from all of you and also congratulations to all of the new college graduates that are graduating that semester here in December. Um, What a great accomplishment and want to just say congratulations to you all. Um, But I do just want to just say thank you to all the messages that I've received, all the support that we've gotten over the last year. It's been truly incredible seeing that. Our podcast is the number one in the space. It's truly just so humbling. And I just want to say thank you to everybody who's allowed us to be a part of their journey and continues to support us in that journey and let us support you. So just want to say thank you to everybody. And if you haven't, you will need a LinkedIn. So make sure you go make a LinkedIn. You can add us at Jacob McLaughlin. New to medical device sales, we're on there as well. Um, But you will need one to break into medical device sales. So just want to make sure you guys get on the ball for that. And then lastly, I just got back uh, from Italy and London, and as you guys saw, I um, was there for work, and then also took a little uh, vacation, a little holiday for myself, first one in a couple of years, so it was nice to be over there. But I got to see my good friend David, which you guys will see. We talk about the differences in the, the USA and the UK and also some of Europe in medical device sales, what surgeries like and all that, so hopefully this is helpful and can hit a wa- wide Audience for you all, Um, not just medical device sales rep. Maybe we'll have some surgeons listening to this. So, really excited for this episode. Uh, The one thing I do just want to mention, as I am so excited to be bringing this all to you, is that you guys will be seeing we have a new website coming out in the first of the year. On that new website, you're going to see we redid all of it. But the thing I'm the most excited about is you will be seeing almost 100 testimonial videos. And the reason I'm telling you guys that is I've been announcing it, I've been sharing with you guys, but we are going up in price because of that. It's supply and demand, but what you will see is there's not anybody close that has 100 testimonial videos. There's not anybody from the last year and a half go to listen to our podcast from the course and that they've had success breaking in. The reason I'm just saying that to you guys is this is all just for social proof for you to see it, not for me to be telling you guys what we do. Don't believe a word I say, go watch it and, and prove it for yourself. Because the one thing I will always say is when was the last time you bought something you liked it so much you took a video of yourself and sent it to that person? I'll tell you, never. You've never done that. Um, And we have almost 100 people who've done that and it's continuing to grow every single day. And so what I'm just telling you guys is we know the impact at the point of we now have helped almost 1,400 people break into medical device sales. How it's continued to grow this last month was major for us. Um, it's been such a fun, wanna give a shout out to Chelsea, congratulations. Why I was over in Italy, literally checked my phone and, and one day we got three people hired. And Chelsea, I just wanna just give you a quick shout out, Chelsea was only in the course for three and a half weeks and broke in, so we will be definitely have her a part of this journey and just wanna say congratulations to you. But if you guys are seriously about breaking into medical device sales, we would love to be able to help you on that journey just understand that again we know that the people that are coming into our course are going to get the results when they put in the work and that there are they're ready to come and be coachable and willing to work hard and they're committed and so just so you guys know that is there but the last part and the most exciting part of 2024 is we will now offer funding so the one thing I'm just gonna let you know is we never want pricing to be the reason you can't break into medical device sales. I've heard what you've all said. I've been able to work with things um, to now go get a third party vendor of now being able to offer funding. So if you can't afford the price of the course, we now offer the funding option. Um, we went with the partner, we did, because they don't make you make a payment in the first 30 days and there's no prepayment penalty. So literally come in and the course, our average person breaks in 8.2 weeks at $94,478 get that, you'll be able to pay off the course very quickly, you won't get prepayment penalties and there's a reason we've made that move and so I just wanted to let you know how excited I am to share that with all of you because if there's been a lot of people who have reached out to me and they're like, hey, I want to do it but I just don't have the funds, I haven't, we've we've heard you, I've made moves to be able to get a great partner with us and that will no longer be a constraint um, for you all and so if you guys are really interested in breaking into medical device sales, again, you can click the link below. Um, but again, I just wanted to share that exciting news with you all, and let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to new to medical device sales and first year in medical device sales. Today is going to be a dual podcast because we have a guest today that it's going to be able to—he's going to be able to hit on a lot. Whether it's you're breaking into medical device sales or you're actually in medical device sales, he's a surgeon. He has over ten years experience of actual operating. Now he leads at. Innovus Medical, great company by the way, um, (laughs) where he is the clinical excellence lead. Um, We're continuing to grow. Today I have David Rowoff. been practicing that name for the last five minutes because as you guys know, I'm not the best with a pronunciation and I can't say my R's, but David, great to have you on the show.
1: Thanks, man. Thank you for having me. I hope I can answer some of your questions today.
0: Yeah, I hope. I, I know you're going to be able to provide value. If you guys see this, we actually just hit a workout. Um, if you guys know anything about me, you know that I like to work out, former personal trainer. And David is my uh, my workout buddy at Innovis. We always are hitting the gyms. If you guys yeah. have watched the vlog, you've seen him come in and hit a workout with me.
1: I think we've hit Gym's in what five different time zones now? Yeah, right now, yeah, I think so. Something like that. I'm really, I'm really quite <laughs> proud of that. <laughs>
0: yeah. We always take our selfie, make sure to send it to the group, and uh, they they like to tell us that we have a bromance going on or something yeah, like that. Just jealous. Well. <laughs> exactly. Uh, no, but today, why I'm so excited to to bring David to you all is, like I said, David is an actual practicing surgeon, and now he's leading us at Envis Medical. But he has so much experience of. Being a surgeon, working with reps, working with the people inside the industry, and so real quick before we'll dive in all that, want want you guys just to get a little background so you can hear more about David, and then we're gonna go into more of what he looks for in his reps, what he's seen because you have peers that are surgeons, what they like about reps or what they don't like, because I know there's certain things you can do to to not be the best name in the room. Um, So yeah, before we dive too far into it, can you just kind of give us a little bit of background? I know there's gonna be a lot of people in the UK who actually already know who you are, but for the people back in the US, can you kind of just give a little background about who you are?
1: Sounds good, Sounds good. thanks man. Thank you for giving me the the platform. Um, So my background is in medicine and surgery. I trained as a medic. I did um, a pre-medical degree beforehand. I dabbled in uh, medical school politics, during my time at medical school, discovered there was lots of things that needed correcting in education. So I discovered very early on that education and surgery are some of my core values. And as I went through medical training, um, I knew that surgery was the direction I wanted to go in. Being a bit of a like, closet engineer is, is, the, is the political way i put <laughs> it. Um, I always, always quite liked being hands-on and I think one of the things that attracted to me to surgery were the tools and especially in surgery was orthopedics. I loved mm-hmm. just the sheer amount of tools that we're using. I was always like tinkering with, um, you know, uh, woodwork or even mechanic, mechanical work when I was younger. So um, orthopedics just, just fit right in for my, for my personality. Despite me not being your average orthopaedic surgeon, <laughs> apparently, that's what I'm told. <laughs> um, nonetheless, I, I still uh, got to the point where now I'm, I'm working as a, as a locum registrar. For you Americans, that's a moonlighting registrar. Moonlighting attending would be, I guess, the equivalent. Um, and, and I focus mainly now in the industry. Mm-hmm. I discovered in the last about four or five years that innovation, technology, are my core values as well yep. surgery and education. Yep. Um, and certainly in between, I've been working in the world of academia with various institutions around the world. But I realized that I really was quite passionate about innovation yep. There were multiple points throughout my career where I was doing an audit or a quality improvement project on a surgical problem, trying to innovate a way out of it or to try and innovate as the solution only to be hit by roadblocks. And I realized that actually working on the front line gives you a really fantastic point of view of the day-to-day problems, of the pinch points and the pain points. But what it doesn't provide you necessarily, unless you're in the right environment, is the ability and the tools to be able to follow that through to creating an innovation to solve that original pinch point or pain point. Yep. And when I discovered the health tech industry through the likes of the clinical entrepreneurship program, or my mentors and colleagues within health tech, like Elliot Street, yep. I discovered that actually you can push forward innovations done in the right way, done in a business orientated manner, yep. um, gone through you know formal processes, and been focused on providing that solution. It can be done, yep. and, and that's what attracted me to the industry. And, and here I am, sitting and, with you, in a, in a beautiful, beautiful, uh, sunny day outside, yeah. and, um, podcasting about our experiences. As you say,
0: I think this is the sunniest it's been in the UK since I've been here, um, <laughs> as you guys can see.
1: It, there is sun, you just, <laughs> you just need to look past the clouds. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but no, for you guys to, to really hear that, like I, I want to take a moment to just touch on how into, when David says med tech and like industry and innovation is his passion it truly is like the amount of conversations that we've had and the amount of times that we've spent just being able to have discussions about what's going on in the industry what what could be improved what what our mission is even at at innovus and why we're with, both with the company but the reason i say that is I've never seen somebody so passionate about healthcare, about studies, about the relationships. Because every time I'm talking to you, you're doing a new pilot study, you're doing something new, you're you're working with interns, helping them. Like even when the thing that I just think about is our last trip, like we're in Manchester as I'm, we're there for the the office meetings and that we had, but we're going in the hotel elevator and you're on the phone with your all the interns trying to talk to them I know, man. and try to I
1: appreciate that
0: and try to discuss it and so that's the thing is like i just tell you guys the why another reason why i'm so proud to be at any but to be with people like yourself who you truly love what you do you're truly passionate about it and you're an a player and that's why i love being around you man is like it's being able to grow with people but when i tell you like you guys who are watching this when you talk about somebody who's like serious in this world of like Education and actually clinically, and bringing in innovation to that world of medtech. I haven't met someone as intense as you. You're too kind. Um, Be- you're too kind. Because though, it's the truth.
1: It's it's right. It's right back at you, mate. You you're an inspiration within the company. You are. Um, you're always. I noticed on these conferences, you're always the first to, to get up and and to get us going. So. Your, your energy and your um, your motivation is, is infectious, uh, in a good way, and and, uh, and and I'm right back at you, mate. You're an inspiration, so thank you. Thank you for your kind words. I appreciate I that, man. That. Yeah. Um, you're absolutely right. I think, look, one of the most important things you've got to understand in the industry, and I'm sure Elliot, uh, being the CEO and our our leader in this company, mm-hmm. um, can, can echo this, which is that the team is so crucial. Yeah. A lot of the things that we do as a team we do it together and we're successful as a result of yep. working as a team. And I think especially with some of the projects, as you, as you rightly say, there are literally like 20 things going on at once all over the world. Yep. I wouldn't have been able to get them across the line if it wasn't for those interns. You know, I was on the phone to Hannah, one of my interns this morning, uh, trying to sort out one of our, our like, um, uh, uh, you know, upcoming pretty, pretty powerful studies on mm-hmm. basic surgical skills and, just the sheer amount of like passion and energy that they that they provide me is is amazing as well. So I can't, yeah. you know, we all can't work without our teams. And I actually really look forward to like, expanding this team, yep. making the clinical excellence team within Innovus, um, you know, a, a really quite high functioning unit, yeah. and, and doing even more than we're doing now, which is. Uh, you know, it's interesting to think about that, but, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but we got our work cut out for ourselves, that's for sure. Yeah, we're,
0: I'm excited, man. Yeah, it's going to be fun. We're going to be hanging on. But the one thing I do just want to echo real quick on that is just for you all listening, um, whether you're trying to break into the industry, whether you are in the industry. I think this is something I had to learn when I first broke into the industry was I felt like it was me on my own. I had to go prove myself. I had to do this. Jacob, 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 right? And like, we still do a lot of things, but now it's like, again, we have our business new to medical device sales. It's a a company. It's not me. It's the same thing with Enovis being here at Enovis. It's when like the deal I was able to just land, that wasn't just me. It took every, you were on calls, Ellie was on, like the, it was a team effort. So whenever there's the success, it's never just one person. I think once you start putting the company and the team in front of yourself, that's when you will actually start having the most success inside your, your industry, inside your company, inside your career. Because again, so many people, I just wanna to touch on this real quick is, one thing I've learned being a, a leader, CEO, and, and stuff like that of my own stuff is like, it's easy to point fingers but then the hardest finger is to point right back at yourself. Sure. And that's the thing I've learned the most is when you're doing this, it's, it's a team effort. But going back to the reps that maybe you're in the industry or you're gonna come into it. For example, if you're trying to break into the industry and you didn't want to interview, every single person I talk to points fingers at the companies or why they didn't break in. And I can always, like our students in our course, I always say, what did you do wrong? What did you miss? Because it's easy to point the finger, but do the self-reflection no different than when you're actually in the industry. If a surgery went wrong, it's so easy to blame the nurse. It's to blame the surgeon. Oh, they don't know what they're doing. But should you have been doing an another in-service should you been doing another training should you have got there earlier should you have met like there's so many things that that's what's helped me in my my success of growing in med device sales is just taking extreme ownership and extreme Mm -hmm. ownership in everything in life not just in med device sales but outside of it but once you are in it just understand it's not just about you at the whole point it's when you have a team you're growing together and so i just wanted to echo what you just said there because that is such a big point I think what helps us at Enibus is we, we've seen it. Like if you're selfish, if it's only about you at all times, it's just probably not going to work out.
1: Absolutely. It's not part of our, our, our values, yep. attitude, excellence, and ethic, as, as Elliot says. And I think one of the key core function uh, functions as uh, uh, of us as a company relies on there being good, constructive teamwork yep. and accountability at the same yep. time. And I think accountability is an interesting thing because you always think it's because it's there because you have a senior that's looking at you, yep. breathing down you or whatever. And that may be the case, but that's not always the productive, positive way that people think about accountability. Actually, we should be accountable to ourselves. Yep. You're absolutely right. Yep. Even if it means getting up early, like <laughs> yourself, and then you know, doing, your, doing your, uh, your, your plan for the day and then getting out into the gym. Yep. And if that is something that you just say you're gonna keep putting off, putting off, putting off, for whatever reason, it's only you that's going to suffer. You yep. you you're, and you're not accountable to yourself. You've got yeah. no one's going to say, "Oh, you're neglecting your body or you're neglecting what you're eating and therefore you're not going to live as longer. Mm-hmm. No one's going to tell you that. Yep. Maybe your GP or a general practitioner or whatever once or twice, you yep. know, in your lifetime, but they they they're not going to do that every morning for you. So yep. it's you that has to do that to yourself. Yep. And I think as soon as you become your own best manager positively and constructively. Yep. I think the sooner that you are successful in this industry, this industry, especially in the reps, and this is what I noticed working in the U.S. and the and, and the U.K. The reps are autonomous. They're hardworking. They are self-starters. Yep. And if they aren't, then they're the ones we don't see. They're the ones that lose the. They're not the, going to win. They're not going to win exactly. Yep. And I'll give you I'll give you an example. Of this, I won't name any names, but. There was a hospital recently that utilised equipment from one major manufacturer for a particular specialty. And the consultant, the key decision maker for that equipment within the hospital, had a, had a good relationship with two reps, yep. one from that company and one from another company, a competitor. Yep. For whatever reason, that rep from the, the supplier, the current manufacturer, didn't maintain that relationship yep. well. They, they, got they got comfortable they got comfortable they weren't turning up all the time they weren't checking on the equipment some of the equipment wasn't always working and the rep wasn't always there wasn't always responsive when yep. their stuff went when stuff went wrong and that kdm noticed and immediately a click of a finger made the switch the whole hospital has switched over to a new med device company
0: and and why because that other one who had the relationship continued to check in follow up That's show it. up care, that's when they it. responded or sent them a text or an email, they were timely with it, Yeah, right? It's a thousand percent. That, and and, and like not just
1: that, not, not just timely, not, not just being responsive, but being honest as well. Bam. I think a lot of, a lot of reps that we, we understand in surgery, especially as surgeons, right? Yep. This is where we're not even working with the med device industry. We understand that when we're doing a particular operation, there's a hundred ways to skin a cat. There yep. could be a different devices all over the shop. Some devices not as good as others. And when you have one device, maybe their kit is great, but the actual device isn't. There's, there's so many complexities and nuances to this. But the main thing is, is that we have reps. And I've, the best reps that, stay, that stick in my mind are the ones that are honest about their equipment. Yep. yep, this is great. And you know the whole setup is perfect, but this particular device, it's not that great. I know it keeps breaking. We're doing our very best, I'm yep. feeding it back. But at least he understands that there's yep. a communication or she understands it, yep. there's a communication and there's an ability to pick up on the, the, the frustrations the surgeon a might thousand have. Per- and that will help you retain that contract. A
0: thousand percent, because you're, you're actually owning it. Because I see this all the time in new reps and, and just even reps that have been in a while. Everything's perfect. Welcome to life. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Like nothing is absolutely perfect. But the people who try to act like it's absolutely perfect Oh, my device, you comes off very salesy. Oh, then oh, that's what they don't like. I can just sit here and tell you guys at my prior companies, there, there was a device I sold and the setup was just challenging. And like literally what, I came from the lowest performing territory in the, in the country with it, and instead of being like, I heard it a thousand times, they didn't like the setup. So even when I talked to them, I didn't try to be like, oh, the setup's this, because it's not going to do anything. I would go to the common ground and be like, yeah, I know our stuff sucks to set up, That's and it's it. an absolute pain in the butt. And they would look at me, and they'd be like, yeah, yeah. it does. Yeah. But then we had the common ground, and then I'd be like, yeah, I'm so sorry, but just know I'm always here for you guys. Bam. And then we got it. they trusted me, because they knew I was a human being. And it's making yourself a human being, it's not it. the sales rep. It. And so that's, that's the big thing. And then I just need to touch on this point because you said it, but I've said this before, but I need to get this out. Accountability. Mm. People will see somebody and they'll see confidence, like myself. I, confidence is not just something you're born with. Confidence is something you build. And, and what the confidence is, is it's you keeping promises to yourself. Yeah. And so I just say that is like David's witnessed it. If I say I'm getting up at 5 a.m. and we're going to bed at 11 or 12, am and it's like i'm getting up because i need to get my workout in because otherwise i'm not going to get it in because we're going to work a 14 hour day like my butt gets up at 5 a.m let me just say it's the last thing i want to do i'd rather sleep another two hours but it's i'm keeping to it so it's it's the people like i always say this if you told yourself you're going to read 10 pages at night and it's 11 o'clock the people who will be more common is the person who's like i'm tired but i told myself i'm going to do it and this is something i just need you guys to think about real quick and then we'll get back into it but like do you treat yourself as you treat friends and for example if you had a friend who you're like let's go out to dinner and you said let's meet at 6 and they showed up at 6 10 you kind of be a little disrespected you'd be like you don't really do, uh, think my times that fair but then if they showed up late continuously and then a couple of times they just no showed you would you still hang out with that friend probably not. and the answer is yeah no but we do that every single day to ourselves Oh, I'm going to go work out. Oh, I'm going to call my friends. Oh, I'm going to go read some pages. Or I'm going to do something for my work. And then you don't. You watch Netflix. You do something. You're letting yourself down. Bam. And so how can you trust yourself? I can sit here and tell you being a personal trainer and doing it. And just now coaching so many people in med device sales. You want to know the difference between the people who succeed and the people who don't succeed? It's the easiest thing. The people who say they're going to do what they're going to do. Or said what they're going to do and they actually do it. Those are the people who have all the success in the world. Because you take the emotion out of it sometimes you don't want to do it sometimes it sucks like i can sit here and tell you when you have family things going on you have outside world for goodness sake man you're a brand new father you're not getting much sleep you're traveling a lot you miss your family but guess what work sometimes doesn't care about that like there's there's deadlines right and so it's being able to separate the emotion with what the goal is and what you're doing and so i just wanted to say that because whether you're trying to break in whether you're already in It's being able to do, be accountable to yourself. And and going back to that last thing is is just focusing on yourself of like, hey, can you show up for you every single day? Can you see the goals that you wanna do and actually do it even when you don't feel like it, even when you got yelled at, even when whatever it is. And so I just wanted to state on that because we're gonna talk more about med device sales. We'll go into your experiences with UK reps and USA reps. But like the thing is, is just, You're like that. I I see it. The people at our business in Innovis are like this. It doesn't matter if they're in the uh, product engineering, if they're in the sales, if they're in the clinical. I see it all around. Our CEOs, our CTOs, like Elliot and Jordan, like they're the same. It's like if it said it's going to get done, it's going to get done. Mm -hmm. Like I even want to give a shout out to Darby. Like I talked with him at the Christmas party and like you talk about an absolute killer of a guy who just like gets it done and puts it. And like I literally – this is one thing I'll just say to you. He's one of our programmers and I'll just say this real quick is – I said, so how many hours do you work when it's done? He's like, I do it till it gets done. And that is good just, uh, that, is the, it's very good that is the best answer I've <laughs> ever heard. And so I just want to say that to you all that are listening when I hear everybody who's like, oh, how many hours am I going to work? Or, oh, what's the work-life balance? You can look at those things and I understand it. But if that's the main focus all the time, you might not want to look at this industry. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to go on that because the confidence, the accountability—that's the bigger things that are going to lead. Whether you do med device sales, you're a surgeon, what you do business, or you just do life, yeah. like that goes into it. But
1: I, I think I think on that on that note, it's good good to mention this because it, this this is a, a notion that crosses both industries, surgeons, yeah. reps, um, and anyone that's working in health tech. To be honest, there's a there was a there was a podcast I was listening to recently. I'll send you the link um, where it's talking about the balance between competence and humility mm-hmm. and s- certainly in surgery if you come across as as a surgeon that is just ultra competent right, with no humility at all he might be a good surgeon she might be a good surgeon but you'll you'll slightly doubt their accountability yep. maybe you'll doubt if something went wrong what would this person be like yep okay and conversely on the other end of the uh, other end of the spectrum if, if you have someone that's so humble as a surgeon would you trust them, would you trust them with your life i messed
0: up a couple of times but I, let me just tell you about no, it. no but as a, you know <laughs>
1: they, if they if they don't emanate competence at all it's like okay i'm not sure if i want to be under his knife right yeah. so you've got two ends of the scale competence and humility or being humble and it's about finding that balance and this is exactly that point you know knowing that perhaps you work for a fantastic you've landed a job at one of the best medical device companies in the world and you you've now been tasked this is literally your story right been tasked with selling one of the difficult cells in the in the worst region Mm -hmm. how'd you go about that you went around you were humble about the situation you know i'm new to the industry i know this is a difficult device but you worked around it. You you started to become creative with yep. working around it and utilized your EQ to balance the humble and the competence mm-hmm. that that is lies within you or that you've been trained in yep. to be able to find that path. And I think that's that's something that we we don't look into that often. We we think being humble is, is not that uh, qu- you know quality that that's attractive by or, by any means. And we also yep. think that you know competence is something that we must attain. Yep. But actually, it's about finding that balance. And I just wanted to include that piece. Yeah, well. no,
0: that is such a good point. And, and to that point, real quick, is that the device I sold like where I was at with Medtronic, it was a great device. I absolutely loved it. And it worked great. Um, it was just more of like, you know, just like surgeons are, when they've never seen it before mm. or it's the staff, it can be difficult. So just being able to own with them, you know, no matter what you have, a car or anything, there's always going to be things that people don't understand. If they don't True. take the time, it's going to be challenging. But yeah, it's just being able to be a, a human being. But yeah, now switching into, so you had the fortunate opportunity of actually operating here in the USA.
1: And, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, then, and
0: yeah. then also being in the UK. So can you kind of just tell from that experience, yeah. what was kind of the main difference that you saw between reps in the US and in the UK?
1: I think, look, I've, firstly, I've, I've got to give a caveat here. The, the small print is that I have operated in Johns Hopkins. Um, been involved in a clerkship there and all the way in California in a very, very underserved area. I've seen like the full spectrum of, yep. you know, the best surgeries in the world versus in the U.S. versus, you know, probably the, you know, the most ghetto.
0: <laughs> Challenging, in, yeah. There.
1: Challenging, but even better. <laughs> um, but, you know, I have seen the spectrum and likewise, I've seen the spectrum in the U.K. You know, I've worked in the middle of nowhere in the U.K. and I've worked in very prestigious places in the U.K., I've seen the, the the full spectrum, and I've got to say, one of the things that really strikes me the most in in the U.S. is that it doesn't matter where you are, the reps are always turning up, or at least trying to, mm-hmm. and that's what I really respected out there. Not only are the reps are integral part of the preoperative planning, which tools we need, you know, what size tools we need for this patient, etc., implants in orthopedics, whatever it might be. But also in the perioperative care, they, they are there. I noticed, what I absolutely loved was they're there with their lasers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're laughing because we, we talked about this for like 25 minutes one yeah. day because he was going <laughs> off about how much he loved the laser I pointers. Just, I just love
1: the attention to detail. that a lot, <laughs> yeah. of these, um, a lot of these reps had in orthopedics, they had these green lasers, which is obviously the color you can see against red. It's one of the reasons why we use blue drapes and blue scrubs because the blue is the opposite to red. And when we look at the blue, it balances our rods and cones out, so we can see the different shades of red a little bit better when we're operating. So again, having a green laser, um, I don't think you can have like it's blue or purple, isn't it? But they, I've seen seen green a lot, and it and it helps identify structures or um, or instruments uh, mm-hmm. under a time pressure situation. And I noticed only the Americans seem to have this. And I, was, I just really loved, I really loved that little touch, right? Um, and not only are they there pre and peri, but post-operatively as well, they are there checking that there's no problems with the implants further yep. down the line. You know, Not only that, but actually assessing the situation, being like, how did today's surgery go? How yep. did you find you exactly? Yep. Did you find you need these instruments or no? Did you find any of them blunt? I just loved the proactive questioning. Yeah, and actually, some of the surgeons I worked with found that annoying mm-hmm. sometimes. I, mm-hmm. Some of them are like they probably because they're just taking it for granted. Yeah, coming from the UK where we don't have that level of rep involvement, I was impressed, and yep. I was I would love to have this conversation every day with with the whole team, including the rep. The reps part of the team, yep. right? Especially in orthopedics where we just have like four or five trays per operation. So I was I was just blown away by that, and I've got to say. I think a lot of that is not only based on number of reps the U.S. has per, I guess, patient, yeah. right, compared to the U.K., but also I, I imagine probably the, the remuneration package as well pushes that. Yep. You know, I've, I've heard about the U.K. reps not being paid as much as the U.S., and yep. I think that is a challenge in itself. Yep. The same applies for everyone working in healthcare. Right? Yep. We could talk about that all day. There are junior doctor strikes going on right now. <laughs> as we speak. <laughs> quite literally because of it. Um, but that's besides the point. I think what's important to know is that the results speak for themselves., yep. regardless of what the remuneration is or how they get yep. there, when you show that level of energy, effort to turn up for the entire patient journey, yep. in, in theaters, there's benefits to everyone, including the rep. Yep. Because the reps then going to be able, be able to close more deals. Exactly. To solidify the that relationships, contract, The yep. relationships. Exactly. Yep. So I bring that over to the UK now. You know, some of the reps I've met in the UK are blindingly amazing. Yep. I've got to say, I'm like, I'm just rate the fact you've driven four hours to be here. And he's, and you know, she's got to go around to other sites across the country. Yep. But it's, that's exactly the problem is that that's a long drive. They have big catchment areas. There's nowhere near as many of them. (laughs) Um, And as a result, they're more stretched and they're they're unable with their enumeration to be able to do the same uh, as the States. And so I understand. And I think we have um, a lot to learn from the States, not only for the rep industry, the the, the med tech industry, but also from a healthcare perspective. Yes, things are slightly different in terms of the healthcare structure. We'll go into that. Yep. But I think one of the most important things is the, the attitude and the energy. Yep. That is like recurrent across the whole board. It was 5 a.m. breakfast rounds at Johns Hopkins. Yep. It was 6 a.m. quick ward round. The breakfast was on house, by yep. the way. You don't hear of that in the UK. Yep. All right, so free breakfast at 5. We do a board round. We go over to do the, the ward rounds. And then at 7 a.m., we've got the trauma meeting, right? That means by 8 a.m., we are actually scrubbing in for theatres. You, you contrast that to the other side of the pond. 8 a.m. is usually the trauma meeting. There's nothing beforehand. It may be a handover at 7.45, right? There's, no, there's nothing going on beforehand. So all the information we've got to deal with for the day is happening at 8. By 8 in the U.S., we've dealt with all the different types of information, <laughs> the stuff from the handover, the stuff that's coming overnight, the stuff that's happening on the wards, and the stuff that's happening in theatres that day. So by 8 we are hitting the ground running. Yep. We're ready to go. Yep. We operate for 8-9 hours. Yep. We have a uh, a post uh, operative ward round. And then we're at book club or or a, or a team dinner or something like that again on the house. Yep. Uh, again something we don't have in the UK. It's a completely different system. Yep. And I think because the entire team runs on that that energy. Yes. It means that the re- even the reps it men- means even the, the 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 nurses the PAs the surgical care practitioners everyone's operating that level yep and I just love that it's yep. so it's 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 an infectious energy that I I I was I was honestly i i i six weeks in Johns Hopkins I needed I felt like I needed a holiday off <laughs> I was so exhausted yeah but I've I saw what working at that level was really like. And
0: you saw the teamwork. I think that, I think that's the biggest thing that you get. And again, I, I can't speak to the UK, but I can say this is like, when you find your accounts that you like, I my top account that I was able to go and grow into when, in my previous role, it was, I knew everybody's name. I knew everybody's relationships like we would just go and just talk about life but the whole thing was is I was there to make their life easier yeah. and like they saw that in the value that you could add and then it made this like well-oiled machine because again the number one thing I will always tell you guys the most important thing as a rep is the patient on the table mm-hmm. the device that you sell it's is that your mom, your dad, your sister, your grandma, your grandpa that's whoever it. it is if you focus on that that's why you do it I I get so annoyed so many times when I hear people Oh, it's this or the money or whatever. And it's great. Like I got it. But the, the thing is, is if you're in surgery, if you're in the OR, take all the other stuff. Who's the person on the table? That's because okay. I've seen people who are selfish and they'll talk about their device and they're, oh, I didn't make an extra 1200 bucks or whatever on the sale. What about the guy on the table, or the girl, on the woman on the table? They didn't get the best operation that they could have. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I've been, there's nothing worse than watching a surgery where something didn't go right. And they're like, they're going to have to come back in. Yeah. Take more time in, more anesthesia, all this yeah. stuff and, yeah. and all that. So I just want to touch on that part because like when you doing exactly what you said, it's that focus on like the teamwork and it is a very high energy. The one thing I also want to touch on is talking about the compensation and going into that because this is a common thing in, the, in America, yeah. right? Is like everyone knows that's why they're interested in medical device sales where that's one of the things we talk about in the program. It's, you know, if you're in medical device sales, most likely you're in the top 10% of Americans. Like mm-hmm. financially, it's a, it's a great living. And, but you also, you work for it. You've seen it. Like, you, just like the surgeons in the U.S., you're, you're working long hours and all that stuff. But the reason I'm saying that is just like we talked about, it is because America's for profit. Yeah. It's a business, right? And, and that, I think that's where a little, the difference, especially like with you in the NHS and all that, because for example, mm. I can say this from experience is we've been in surgeries and then I saw the bill they gave the patients and there's 600 to a, a thousand percent markup yeah, and it's then, crazy. and yeah. this, this is the thing. I'll just sit here and tell you because these are the most common uh, uh, messages I get and metrics hate on TikTok and Instagram and all that. Med device is the reason insurance is high. No, the hospital is the reason. Yeah, yeah. Because in America, we like I can tell you, I would sell a device and certain things, and our bill would be under seven hundred bucks, and they'd be getting charged seven to eight thousand dollars from the same thing we just did. And then what happens is then the insurance agrees to pay it, and then that's where this whole thing I can say it because like my mom got a stent in her heart. Yeah. two stints in her heart and okay. she's like, oh, I got $90,000 bill. Yeah, right? Serious. And that's not, in the NHS, it's, it's different. And so, the reason I'll just tell you all that and I wanted to just kind of maybe mm-hmm. shed some light on it is like, we'll see like, I know I was just in Italy, right? Like their healthcare is different than America and here, right? So it's, you just go in there and you change and I think that's where like the compensation is going to continue to change just because of where it's at. Now, I'm not saying that's right or that's wrong. Yeah. It's just, that's where I can usually see maybe the UK doesn't make the same as the yeah, US. You're
1: absolutely right. It's a, look, at the end of the day, the, the UK is a it's, a, it's a capitalist country like the States, but the health system is not a capitalist system. It's yeah. a socialist system. It's designed to have free at the point of service healthcare for everyone doesn't matter who you are right now different health systems employ different variances of this I'd say the US is is quite alone in the fact that it's one of the only systems where it's not free at the point of healthcare or free at the point of delivery and what you have is several different systems going on yep. um, where it's mainly managed by it's mainly driven by insurance yep insurance drives how treatment is managed. Insurance drives the price of treatment, yep. and insurance drives who gets the treatment, yep. and uh, amongst other things. And so you, it, it is. It is. A, it can be an inequitable um, problem at, at the end of the day, because then you have people that can't afford it not having access to healthcare. But conversely, when there are emergencies, they still have the access, but they can't pay it. And as a result, the hospitals, I understand, increase the prices to those that can pay, to slightly absorb those that can't and yeah. it, you know and, and i've seen it i've seen it before in, in in orthopedics especially you know hip replacements that in reality cost around 10 grand yep are being marked up a huge amount for whatever reason yep you're absolutely right there's more money flowing in the system and that's probably why the remuneration is higher and that's one of the things that um, can be a double-edged sword yes because on one side, yes, you've got now um, you don't have in the, in the UK. For example, we have Nice National Institute of Clinical Excellence. They're the ones de- deciding the guidelines, mm. who has access to the treatments, and and how they get the treatments. Um, and and with that, a lot of treatments won't be available on the NHS, and therefore they'd have to go somewhere to the state like the states to get that treatment, <laughs> yeah. or into the private sector in general. And as a result. Um, we have, we have this slight imbalance in that in the UK, we'll only do things if it's absolutely necessary. And it is a form of damage control rather than preventative medicine, yep. right? Whilst in the US, a lot of things are happening when they don't need it. it yep. Um, whether on. that's with the hat of preventative medicine, I'm not so sure. It's probably because... You know, it's a mixture of well, money likes to flow, and surgeons like to cut, and say, and reps like to sell. So, (laughs) guess what happens? Someone ends up with a hip replacement, probably a little bit earlier than they should have done. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that happens across the board in the states, and I don't want to ruffle too many feathers, but it's true. People like to operate. Surgeons like to operate, and things like to be sold. Like,
0: especially this is the thing you're just everyone needs to understand. And again, this isn't a bad thing. It, It just is what it is. It's surgeons in the U.S. business. That's it. It is a business. Yeah. And that, and that's what people like miss. Is healthcare in the US, it's a business. It's for profit. Like I I can just sit here and tell you like I was in Arizona, which most people like it's it's very different when you can go to states and they're they're very different. Mm. But for example, like a lot of the people I used to work with like if you if I went to another state, a lot of them were at a hospital and they were employed by the hospital. Yes. Right? Compared to in Arizona, it was more private practice. Mm. And so they'll rent time out at a hospital. And then they'll go, but they're still charging their prices and they're getting what they need to. They just rent time from a hospital, but it's more for profit, right? And so now if they're filling their schedule, they are getting it. Like I can sit here and tell you, it, it's always cracked me up. I remember like there was people doing free trials with our stuff. And then um, I would sit there and he would be like, oh, this is so expensive. We were the most affordable on the, on the market. He's like, oh, this is so expensive. He's like, I got to put my kids, uh, I got to have them stop eating ramen noodle at some point. And what he didn't understand was I was sitting to the left three seats working on my computer while he was talking. He had just talked how he just bought a brand new Tesla and a brand new fifth wheel RV. And so I, you guys can do the math on your own.
1: More money, more problems. Yeah,
0: exactly. Right? But but then, but then like, for example, being the stingy businessman, oh, I can't afford this device, it's too much. But the reason I'm just saying that and we're laughing I want you guys to see it's not like everyone will just shoot that to like med device it's the surgeons too right it's yeah. it's the whole like because again you look at even like first year attendings in America compared to talking with you and yeah. talking with like uh, some of our colleagues who who know the surgeons like they don't even make enough to live yeah, first crazy. year which is cra- why they are on strikes this year yeah. or right now right so it's yeah. it's it's not just like the rep it's 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 all of it together and so I think this is a conversation I never even thought we would ever have on a podcast yeah. just because it's kind of like shedding some light and most likely it'll ruffle some feathers. But hey, if you ain't getting some talk, what are you doing right with your life? Well, it. I look, I,
1: at the end of the day, like if you just look at it from a macroeconomic point of view, right? we've got we've got um, buildings. If you just look at the health system in the US, you've got such a variety of mm-hmm. health systems. Yeah, and you've got multiple residency programs. So there's training is not managed by one body, unlike the UK. Um, the insurance systems, or who, who manages, who gets what treatment, yep. is is you know by different providers. Again, unlike the UK, it's all managed by one entity. You know, so what you get is is competition as a result, yep. and that competition can can spread within surgical teams, within hospital networks, within rep networks, yep. even. And so, competition. When we look at it from a business perspective, when we read about the books of competition and cooptition it encourages innovation, yep. it encourages yes. excellence, yep. right? Whilst you go across the pond, there isn't competition for how people are trained. There isn't competition really, even within the reps, okay? Um, a lot of accounts are legacy, and a lot of the accounts are through very, very large procurement silos, mm-hmm. where there's so many layers of decision-making uh, before you get to the pot of money. So, yep. a lot of it is maintenance of relationships. Um, there isn't much competition uh, at all between healthcare provision, because it's one provider. So what you don't have is that drive towards excellence. And I will ruffle some feathers by saying this. The healthcare systems in the UK celebrate mediocrity. They don't celebrate excellence. And if you are excellent in the UK, you stick your head above the parapet naturally, and therefore you are a target. A target, yep. You either get more stuff thrown on you, (laughs) or you get shot down and, you know, put in your place. And I, I've, I've witnessed it personally. I've spoken about this on a podcast in the past. Yep, um, So many colleagues I know talk about this. And so this is one of the dangers of the UK health system, in that if we keep going in that direction, we don't we lose the world-class edge, which is, at the end of the day, the UK is far more efficient yep. as a system yep. in delivering care to a population than the US, mm-hmm. because there's so much less money, but we're still actually doing a pretty good job, yep. even though there are, at the moment, 6.8 p- people, million people waiting on the waiting list, and around 130,000 of those are dying every year whilst waiting on the waiting list which is pretty nuts in itself, yeah. but a lot of that's because of COVID, a lot of that's because of political issues. Yep. And that is improving. I know people that are working on that. The likes of the Royal College Surgeons, Stella Vig and NHS England are doing fantastic work to try and fix that problem, despite maybe not the same amount of support from the government. Yep. But nonetheless, to stay apolitical here, My worry is that if we keep going down that route, we celebrate mediocrity, Mm. and that's not a good thing. So, you know, I've got to say to anyone that's joining into the UK health system, whether it's as a rep or whether it's as a surgeon or whether it may be as a PA or a nurse or whatever, is to promote excellence and to always be the top of the top and show everyone how it should be in a competent and humble way. That's the most important way. But we can look to other health systems, by the way. Might as well talk about it whilst we're here. You know, you go to the Nordics, perhaps you yeah. go to um, parts of Europe where you have, uh, I mean, France is a very interesting system. You get given health credits hmm. um, or credits, uh, universal credits, and you can use those credits for education, for health, um, or for uh, help with living at home. You know, it's like like support. I mean, it could be child support or disability yeah. allowance or whatever. And those credits can be passed within your family. So, say if you know someone needs those credits for a you know long-term disease, you can pass them to that person. They can cash in those credits. That's a very interesting. thing. That's system. interesting. And then you've got the Nordics, where it's free at the point of delivery, but all the hospitals are brand new. Well, they're all private. Most of them are private. Yeah. They're they're owned by private companies. They're run as private businesses, but they receive um, uh, uh, money essentially from the government via a national insurance system. Germany has a national insurance system that Mm. allows for, um, it. basically, it's like car insurance. Everyone needs car insurance, so everyone needs health insurance. Mm. But if you can't afford it, if it's means tested, you can't afford it, then the government will support you with that private health insurance. It's not like Mm. a Medicare, Medicaid scenario. It's like, we'll help you get private health insurance. You see? So that means... All the hospitals are private, everything's like tip-top, everyone's working at excellence level, there's the right amount of money flowing in the system, and you haven't got price gouging by insurance companies, because you've got the government breathing down their necks, because at the end of the day, the government are going to have to pay for those that can't afford it, you mm-hmm. see. So there is a, there's like a nice layer of accountability in there. There's so many different ways to skin a cat when it comes to healthcare. In my opinion, I don't think any country has got it 100% right. And I wonder if we need to look to the future and applying AI and the balance of of human knowledge. Now you're going to get people going. (laughs) Who knows? Who knows? It's kind of like the the Black Mirror episode with the yogurt.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm dying because I was talking to a person and they brought up AI and they're like, it was one of the residents and they're like, this is how they take over, man. This is it. So the moment you start putting AI out there, people get a little you, you, funny. You, you need to see, if you haven't
1: seen it, the Black Mirror episode on the yogurt, um, the, the probiotic yogurt, it's amazing. it's amazing.
0: I love it. Well, hey, man, I, I really do want to touch on this, though, is at, when you were a surgeon when, and, you're, and you still do a little bit of operating, it's like what is what do you look for in your reps? I know we talked a little bit about the difference of the U.S. and the U.K. and yep. stuff, but what do you, as a surgeon, and from your colleagues, because you have a lot of friends who are surgeons, what have you seen been like the things that stand apart from the good ones compared to what, they, what you guys go in and talk trash about this rep? Because we all know that happens. We never do that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> but what, what does that look like? What, what separates a really good rep compared to like, the things maybe to stay away from?
1: Yeah, I think the most important thing is the green laser pen make sure you have a green laser pen and if it's made of metal even better because then we'll just be impressed right um, have the green laser pen get involved with those three important a- uh, aspects or phases of surgery so that's the preoperative planning the perioperative care so being in the theaters and the postoperative analysis okay you might not be analyzing the patient how they're doing it's worth asking though but asking were the trays okay, was the layout okay, was there any equipment that were damaged. If you go for that structure, that pre, peri and post operative care structure, you won't miss a thing. And the surgeons will pick up on that. Another thing that we actually did recently within our company was um, figure out a way to communicate quickly. The surgeons are in in, in short, uh, they're short of time. They have no time, in fact. So if you're going to communicate, try and communicate using their language. We use the S-bar. I'll have you look it up in your own time. S-B-A-R. You're
0: welcome. Elliot. He's yeah. so proud of it. Elliot made us do this within our
1: own company recently, thanks to Emma, because Emma's an ex-midwife. Yep. And that's how she likes to communicate yep. anyway. She's and it's very good. like that. Yep. And actually, it's such a great way to communicate in general. It didn't even come from the healthcare industry. It came from the military. Military, yep. It came from, was it RAF or Air Force? I don't remember. It what. was something um, military as well. Something, something military, yeah. yeah. So it is a, it's an excellent way of communicating. So communicating how they like to communicate in their language. Yep. If that means you need to go away and read about anatomy of mm-hmm. the particular mm-hmm. operations that you cover, if that means going and watching videos of how it's done, you should really know the optics inside out. But... If you are able to engage with that perioperative process properly and the pre-operative planning, oh, I think this size cup should be a little bit changed because I understand perhaps the anatomy is a little bit larger and you understand those elements and then you can take that into the theatre and be like, oh, you know, that's a great dissection that you're doing there of X or yep. structure Y. Or, you know, perhaps have you thought about using this tool rather than that tool? that creative thinking can start to come out once you know the bread and butter. Yep. And there are so many tools for this. So you know, I'd recommend going to Teach Me Surgery, Teach Me Anatomy. Yep. Uh, these are both websites that are available on Google. They're actually made by UK Medics. And, um, and there's, there's stuff like Ackland's Anatomy videos, which are really fantastic. Touch Surgery now owned by Medtronic, is that mm-hmm, right, yep. they have these incredible uh, animated cartoons of pretty much every operation. Mm-hmm. They might not be instrument speci- specific, but they do go into um, different approaches and different ways to do the same operation, which may cover your instruments. And I think it's really important to just learn all that stuff in, inside out, yep. try and think like a surgeon. Bam. Um, you know, even the little things that, that, that these are the non-technical skills now. Yes. So the little things like being there early with the team, being there for the brief in the morning. Um, So this is like the first huddle that we do in the morning. You know, even, I I don't know if your budgets allow this, but but most of the time, if you just ask, the surgeon will throw money at you anyway. Just saying, can I grab coffee for everyone? If you've got five minutes, I know it's like you shouldn't be doing
0: it. Well, in America, you get a budget and as long as you get a name list. Oh, yeah. So like when you're in America, you get a a budget and you can go. The, The only thing is you have to have names of every single human being and they want a list of it. And let's just say to any new reps out there or anybody who wants to be, you will make up a lot of names. (laughs) <laughs> I had you to go up to name, because I would have a lunch for 25 people. You know, half of them don't show up or whatever it is. And then it's like, yeah, now I'm going to get, they're going to come after me, run. <laughs> <laughs> but it, like, literally, they'll get it. But yeah, you, you get, in America, you get a budget, oh, depending on the company, yeah, you'll right. get a budget in doing that. But the one thing I do want to state is, I think that's going to be dependent on the, co- or the, the surgeon you're with. Just for the fact of, there's a lot of surgeons, like, we're not allowed in the pre-huddle. Like in certain industries, in certain divisions, right? And so like for me, so like I wasn't able and and also they're like, this is surgeon only. But to the point of still being up there, like before they walked in, I would always go into the room, get that set up 15, 20 or whenever it allowed, come in, talk to them. But to your point, if you can, grab a lunch or breakfast or something.
1: Get involved with the team is what I'm saying. It's
0: about making that relationship.
1: Exactly. Making that relationship. Be part of the team. Show you care. Show you care. Go get get them coffee or whatever it might be. If if you have budgets, if you don't, trust me, the surgeon will throw you their card. But even if you
0: don't have budget, let me just, I just need to state this real quick because this is where people lose so much. It is absolutely incredible to me how, like, I get it all the time with people reaching out to me. Mm. Jacob, you do such great work. It's all free. All thank you. I don't want to buy a $20 thing. Hmm. And it's like they want everybody wants the world, but they won't invest in it. And I just yeah. gotta I just gotta state this is like one time there was a guy who like strength and conditioning coach, when I was in strength and conditioning, he had the intern. The intern had his last $20 and he paid for everything. Wow. And because of that, he got the job. So again, that $20 actually invested into a an actual career getting paid all the time. But it's absolutely hysterical how many people will shortchange things. Yeah. Want everything for free, aka I'm a rep. Oh, my company won't pay for this, so I'm not gonna go get a twelve dollar couple of coffees. Yeah. Like it it's, might it's, be it's, worth
1: it's daunting. It's daunting for if, if someone you, you see that as a problem, you're like, what do I do? It's almost like a situational judgment test. Like what do I do? Do I put my own money down? You're absolutely right. I think it little goes a long way. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you're if you're able to get that money back somehow later on, then fine. But I think you know it's it's about that longer term vision.
0: Right? Bam, and just so you know, like this is the thing, it always will come back. Whether you get that deal or you don't get the deal. First off, it was 12 bucks or 18 bucks, whatever it is. But also second off is it's the practices. I was just listening to an audio book and it was by Napoleon Hill and success, the 15 ways of success and all this good stuff. But it literally is your, your mind's a program and, and you're programming it in the correct way and you're always programming it. So even if you go forward this time, you're programming the brain to always do it in the future. That's it. And even if you don't make a, a return on investment right away, guess what? You do that in two years from now to the right person, it might change your life. Mm. And that's what I think is the biggest thing is you guys probably are hearing this, Is that it's a common theme of it's it's not even so much the actual doing one thing, it's the the habits that come with it. If you can just do it what successful people do. But I just say that because you're just building that relationship, whether it, it returns itself or not. But like I can sit here and tell you guys, before I had the job at one of my careers or one of my, uh, with Medtronic, I literally went to a place Offered to buy the whole place lunch it was gonna be over five hundred dollars. I wasn't even hired yet I was in the like third round of an interview process because I was and this is just how my brain has always thought Was and just so you guys all know this is when I made under 50k a year So like 500 bucks to me at the time was a lot right? And so like that's what I'm just saying is like but I knew if I could go there if I could just learn if I could get one doctor to just tell me maybe what they look for in a rep because I didn't have that experience. That's where my brain's always gone. And so just going to that point real quick, I'm not sitting here because there's Sunshine acts. there's all the things that, there's certain things you just can't legally do in America. Mm. But what people miss is like, for example, it's hilarious where get the coffee, like the surgeons, it's going to help. But the one thing I need to just say this to people now is you guys will offer, like I learned this with like mentors. I have guys who are making fifty, dollars $100,000 a month, right? And if I'm like, hey, can I take you to coffee? They'll be like, go, fly a kite you think you think my time's worth seven dollars for an hour right compared to like what people don't understand is if you just look at their ROI and like you want to learn from someone like even when I was doing strength and conditioning I literally was like can I pay you a thousand dollars to learn from you I like that's a lot of money but but you, and let me just state this you want to know how many times they take it almost never
1: but it's the offer. It's Bam. the thought that counts. I
0: was just going to say, yeah. that is what it is. It's just putting it out there to say that you're humble enough. And yeah. hey, David, I, I know you're busy. I know you have a lot going on and I appreciate your time. And I know your time is valuable. And I know you don't do things for free just because in life you just can't. Because otherwise yeah. you won't see your, your daughter and you won't see your family. Okay, so let me offer to pay you. And a lot of times you'll probably be like, oh no. But like, I, the reason I'm just saying that is so many people will reach out to me now and they see me running on the West and doing all this stuff, and then they'll be pissed off I can't get on a 10-minute call because you're being selfish because I have over 200 episodes, and you want something for your quick situation, but we have stuff that we offer for it, but people don't want, oh, but that costs money.
1: Yeah, welcome to life. It's, it's not just that it costs money. You know, your, your quick 10-minute 10, ten minute opinion might not be that good or constructive if you haven't got the full backstory. Bam. If you actually, you know, ring fence some time with that person that you're trying to get hold of. Whether you're paying them or bribing them with caffeine, <laughs> whatever it might be, actually having that healthy transactional relationship yep. is really important. I say this a lot when I, because I coach people moving yeah. from, from the medical world into the health tech industry. And I do the same thing, which is if you're trying to get say an experience with a company or trying to get a job or they're trying to trying to encourage them to open the side or back door for you to make a job for you yep. or even just getting onto a call for an hour yep. with the CEO of a company that you really love yep. right you're messaging them through LinkedIn you've got to understand that there is a healthy balance and healthy relationship when it comes to these 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 interactions yeah offering what you what you can provide whether that's your skills whether that's money whether that's coffee yeah Um, But also making it clear, what do you want? Can I just have 10 minutes, maybe half an hour, maybe an hour to sit down with you? Uh, We can get lunch, I can get you lunch or whatever. Um, If it's a Teams call, look, if you want me to to cover a particular cost of that time or say, uh, look, actually I I have like literally made five pages of notes on your product and I I think I might be able to help you improve your product, right? whatever it is that you're offering, be upfront with that and be direct with exactly. what you want. And you'll notice a lot of the time that will be, that'll be far more successful in opening those doors. And if you have nothing to offer, this is what's really important. Yeah. If you have nothing to, o- to offer, and you have nothing that you want, say that this is just someone that you just want to chat to and just get to know. Yep. Like literally understand who they are and how they got to where they were. For your own Yep. perhaps. Just say to them, I have no agenda. I actually just want to get to know you. Yep. And I'd love to spend time with you. Yep. So, so be honest with that as well. Not obviously not in a weird way, but I think it's worth being honest I, about. And this is, comes to the accountability piece. Yep. Being honest about what you want from that interaction with that person. Exactly. Goes such a long it's way.
0: It's clear, clear uh, communication. But the one thing I will say is, because I, I know how this works, you'll watch this, then you'll send that to us, and then we'll be like, sorry, we just don't have time. You'll be like, well, you told me to. Kay. Like, welcome to sales. You, we just there's not enough time in the day, and like. Do that, but you're going to send that message to 100 people and maybe 10 take you up on it, right? Like that's just life. But the one other thing I just have to say is going back to the value I just want to real quick touch on Mm. is like a plumber. Mm -hmm. In America, you'll have something clogged. They'll come in and spend four minutes and they'll still charge you 500 bucks. And you'll be like, what? It took you four minutes. You didn't pay for the four minutes. You paid for the 20 years of experience prior to that so we could do it in four minutes. And that's like going back to surgeons. We talk about this all the time. Would I rather go under the knife if I'm paying out of pocket with the brand new surgeon because he's cheaper or would I rather go with the person who's done 10,000 of the procedures I'm about to do? I'm going to pay more because I know that they've done it and it's there's no brainer. Exactly. So the, the
1: irony is is that how how is the new surgeon going to learn? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> in and simulators ah, baby come go. on plug for you Elliot <laughs>
0: um but the but the whole conversation I just wanted to, to put that out there because I'm again guys have nothing from you it's why we put all this stuff out here for free but I want you guys to start thinking differently because this is what the the top like what we just talked about there's certain things you did and I've done that these people are like I never thought of that but yeah. that was just what we've always thought about even when nobody quote unquote taught us that And it's just making you think differently to get to where you want to go. Um, Because I think that's the the, the common thing that we continue to talk about is like there's certain it's once you get into like I think about when I was in strength and conditioning. Once you get to professional athletes, it's the little things that make the big difference Mm -hmm. because they're all doing all pretty much the big things. But like, for example, I think of like Kobe back in the day and all this. Michael, like what was the recovery time? What do they do in ice baths and workouts and stretching and like yeah. it was all the other things that they did outside of the actual game? And we look at surgeons as athletes, like we talk about it at us all the time. I look at reps as anything in life is an athlete. How do you prepare? How do you prep? That's it. How do you put in the work beforehand? And then now it's game day. Now it's theater. Now you're going into surgery. Now it's my day to be with you at surgery. Mm-hmm. How are we gonna perform? Yeah. And then that post that this is what people miss is like that whole conversation after every single surgery I ever had, Doc, what'd you think? And love it. here's the whole conversation. If you saw that it went horrible, don't ask the question. You already know how it went yeah. because now you're opening up yourself to just get reamed, yeah. right? You can go in and be like, Doc, I'm so sorry. But You can talk about some encouraging things. How can, things. I, how how can, can it can be improve? better? Yeah. Bam. Exactly. But the, the thing I just always want you guys to understand is like even now, I talk to David about this all the time and I know he's the same. Even when I get a sale done, Like, even the deal I just did, which was great, and it's big, and I'm like, it's my biggest of my life, and I'm like, awesome. Not for a second did I go, like, I'm the best. Well, that was perfect. That's your humility. The the whole thing is, like, I'm thinking, what next time? Unfortunately, we did have technical difficulties. The camera ended up dying on us. Um, So we weren't able to get the last five minutes, but we will be having David back on. I just want to say thank you to David. Uh, Absolute honor. um, Absolutely amazing guy. If you guys haven't, make sure you go follow him on LinkedIn. And I hope this episode was helpful just so you can see some of the differences that go on maybe in the UK compared to the USA um, in America and Europe and all that and so I just want to say thank you for taking the time to to listen to this if you guys haven't press that like and subscribe button if you could share this with somebody it would mean the world to me a five-star review does help us grow this channel and also if you guys were, are really serious about breaking into medical devices you can click the link below um, we do have our course and we're always happy to help you guys and if you guys would like to learn more again just click the link below or you guys can also reach out to me at Jacob McLaughlin. Or new to medical device sales on linkedin also we have all the other socials again putting all the free stuff out there again the whole focus is just to continue to provide you all value so i just want to say thank you so much from the bottom of my heart and i hope you all have a great end to 2023 and a great start to 2024